Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Condensed Histories, the podcast that takes pop culture and reveals the real history underneath I'm your host, Jem Daduchu, and this time round, it's all about family. Money will come and go. We know that. The most important thing in life will always be the people in this room. Right here. Right now. Because on this occasion, we're talking about the Fast and Furious franchise, which means if there's one franchise that is beholden to an invention, it's this one. So this will lead into the history of the car and our 20th and 21st century love affair of these sometimes four-wheeled vehicles. So we're going to be talking about multiple different continents, but first of all, I'm going to have a lot of fun with the Fast and Furious franchise. So if you've been living under a rock for the last more than 20 years there has been this franchise that kind of reached a peak, basically, round about 2015, more than a decade after, nearly a decade and a half after the first movie, where the films just kept getting bigger and bigger. And while maybe it's gone down a little bit since then, it's still a major deal. For a while, the Fast and Furious franchise was pretty much the only action franchise out there still blowing things up and firing guns basically so there is an importance to this franchise that goes way beyond its staggeringly dumb elements to it and why am i doing one now well in case you're living under a rock the 10th mainline movie is out now and don't worry there'll be no spoilers for it apart from cars go vroom explosions go boom and physics is for losers. So, <laughs> pretty much being that for at least the last six films. So, yeah. What I'm going to say is there is an interesting thing about the actor Vin Diesel. Now, he first came to people's attention in one of the best movies ever made. That is Saving Private Ryan. People forget that Vin Diesel is part of the unit that is sent, led by Tom Hanks, to go out and try and find Ryan. And in it, Vin Diesel does a brilliant job. Indeed, spoiler for a film that's 
I don't know, 25 years old, give or take, when he is actually killed by a sniper, it's heartbreaking. His death scene has huge amounts of pathos to it. He's not in the film all the way through, because I just told you he dies. But the point is that, you know, in this ensemble cast, he's one of the best people in it. And yet, the he's sort of seen as pretty much as a joke nowadays. The other thing that people kind of forget, that he's in currently four different successful, sort of successful franchises. There is, if you like, his main payday, which is the Fast and Furious series, but also he launched the Triple X series, of which there have been four movies of it now. They they tried doing it with Ice Cube, but that didn't work, so they brought Vin Diesel back again. Then there's the Riddick character, which started in the movie Pitch Black, a very low-budget sci-fi movie, and those are definitely of varying qualities. Probably the first one is the leanest and the best one. Certainly the second one is all over the shop. But it's a series of movies. And then he is, of course, the voice of Groot, who is also coming out in 2023 in a new movie with Guardians of the Galaxy 3. So, and interestingly, he, although obviously he's not on the sound stages with everybody else, he dubs, obviously, all of Groot's language, but also he does most of the majority languages. The I am Groot, I mean, Groot's going to be the same in every language around the world, but the I am, he'll do it in Chinese or in German or in French. So you get that great gravelly Vin Diesel voice, and he does have, I mean, there are some great gravelly talkers out there, and He's one of them, all right? So, let's give Vin some respect. He can actually act. He's also been in a whole bunch of absolutely terrible movies. And when the first Triple X came out, people were saying that this was, if you like, the cool modern interpretation of of James Bond, you know, he he does things like parachuting, and he does things like snowboarding and extreme sports because he's an extreme sports guy, not because he's on Her Majesty's Secret Service or something like that. And obviously he's mixed race and he's just a bit cooler. And, you know, Bond is a sort of more traditional form of cool. But that's not to say that the Triple X movies are going to be worrying the Bond franchise anytime soon. The other thing, if we're going to sort of stick with the whole Fast and Furious, is, again, like James Bond or other big franchises, they are all over the place in the actual naming. So what you've got is, you know, 007 in On A Majesty's Secret Service, or James Bond is in Casino Royale, or something like that. Perhaps the more standard one is the way Star Wars does it, where it's Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope. Star Wars Episode 5, Empire Strikes Back. There is a naming sequence to this. Same thing with Rockies. It's just, let's put some Roman numerals behind it. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Then the last one of the original group is Rocky Balboa. Fair enough. And then we get Creed 2, 3. So, you know, they're, they're, there's no ambiguity as to where we are in the timeline, but there's all kinds of problems with Fast and Furious. So let me go through 
the the naming conventions and what year they came out. So in 2001 was the first one, which was simply called The Fast and the Furious. So interestingly, I'm going to say that the original screenplay for that was called Racer X. And there was a 1950s film about car driving called The Fast and the Furious. And so they actually ended up having to buy the rights to that movie to just make sure that they could get this movie without anybody pulling any legal shenanigans on them. So it's Fast and Furious is in the first title. Second one is called Two, as in the number two. Too Fast, Too Furious. Kind of clever. I mean, it's not Shakespeare, but you get the idea that this is the sequel to Fast and Furious. Then we've got the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. So we're now into kind of Star Wars way of naming it, where we get the name brand and we get the what's the story this time? We're in Tokyo. Then the fourth film is just called Fast and Furious. We've taken out the thes and you have to know that this is now the fourth movie, even though this sounds like it should be the first movie. The fifth film is... Uh, so oh, I, I should have given you years. So... The Fast and Furious, 2001. Too Fast, Too Furious, 2003. The Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, 2006. 2009 is Fast and Furious. Then 11, we get just Fast Five. And that's the first one with The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson in it. And that completely changes the whole dynamic of these movies and kind of what they do. And from this point onwards, they just get more and more ridiculous. We get in 2013. So after Furious Five... Sorry, after Fast Five, we get Furious Six. That's a different word, people. And that's in 2013. 2015, we get Fast and Furious Seven, which is probably the most straightforward, basically new name for it. Then, in 2017, the eighth one is called Fate of the Furious. Then, 2021, we just get F9. You know, that's actually a button on your keyboard on your computer. And then now we've got, in 2023, we've got Fast X. They have never once before used the Roman numerals. Yes, X is the Roman numeral for 10, but surely it should be Fast 10. Also, the previous one was called F9. What's the F stand for? Is it for Fast or is it for Furious? <laughs> so it's just, you've got no idea. You have to be into this to kind of know it's a new one and it's going sequentially. But hey, everybody. It's about to get weirder because the Fast and the Furious original movie, the sequel was a pretty straightforward sequel. But by then, Vin Diesel, and interestingly, early on in his career, he knew he could see other people like, you know, your Jean-Claude Van Damme's or Sylvester Stallone's or, or Schwarzenegger's or whatever, and, and understand that if I just keep doing the same thing, I am end up becoming a one-trick pony. Now, basically, he is a one-trick pony, but, you know, turn out of 10 to him, as I said, you know, four different franchises, all of which are still currently, in theory, live. So, okay, you know, you know, the man is fairly diverse. But when it came to the third one, he basically didn't want to do it. So that's the one called Tokyo Drift. That's not even in America. Funnily enough, it's in Tokyo. But they basically made him do a cameo in that movie. So at least they can link it back. And actually, he did it for free. But what he did do to do that is he got all the rights to the Riddick character. So he now could do that and perhaps be producer and earn more money and also have more control artistically over that particular character. Okay, fair enough, Vin. 
But the thing is, at the end of Tokyo Drift, one of the characters from the Fast and Furious movies, Han, dies. He is of Asian descent, so, you know, that's why he's linked to Tokyo. So he dies in an explosion. So that's a problem, because people quite liked Han. Now, people probably thought that that was going to be the last ever Fast and Furious movie, but they were wrong. So it's slightly surprising that in Fast and Furious, three years later, the fourth one, Han's back again. So what it actually goes in terms of timeline is it goes one, two, four, five, six, then we get three, seven, eight, nine, ten. So basically the, the ones where they start introducing the rock are actually in theory before the Tokyo Drift one. And then also that's completely retconned. First of all, it turns out he was blown up by Jason Statham. Ooh. And then later on, it turns out that he wasn't blown up at all. And that's why he's sort of just always been alive all this time. It's just a, it's just a complete unholy mess. Don't watch all of these films thinking that they're going to connect and make sense. Because unlike something like the Star Wars movies or the Lord of the Rings movies or whatever, there is no care or attention to what's happened. It's a bit like the Transformers movies, which were kind of coming out at the same time, roughly, as these ones, the Michael Bay ones. In the first film, they state that they've only just arrived on Earth. And then, by the fourth one or fifth one, apparently they've been there since the time of King Arthur. And, you know, Bumblebee killed Hitler. So, it's like, okay, which one of these things do you want me to believe? Because you can't just outright contradict yourself in what is obviously an ongoing timeline but none of this makes any sense, and it's exactly the same thing with Fast and Furious. But let's be honest, none of Fast and Furious makes sense. It's just become more egregious as it's gone along. So, for example, in the first one, all these drag races, this is all about drag races, and the thing is, it is worth going back to the very first movie, because it's a very stripped-down film. It's not about sort of like drug dealers or anything like that. There are basically illegal street races. That's genuinely a thing that does happen all over the world. Young people in their souped-up cars racing on public highways, obviously breaking speed limits and potentially being dangerous to other traffic, although it's done very late at night, or potentially pedestrians and things like that. This is not a, a racetrack. This is just, you know, the strip down by the mall or something like that. And it's a quarter-mile drag race. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. And so Don Toretto is the guy played by Vin Diesel, and he is infiltrated by an FBI agent played by Paul Walker. Now, Paul Walker is, if you like, the, the, the shining star of this series because, regrettably, sadly, Paul Walker died during the filming of the seventh one. And with these big, aggressively dumb movies... The biggest grossing one was number seven. People wanted to see how were they going to deal with Paul Walker's demise. And unbelievably, and the only time I can say this in any of the movies, they did it with great taste and subtlety. And the final send-off of Paul Walker's character, Brian, was genuinely emotional and heartbreaking. And it was done with great love, clearly by the whole cast and crew who really missed their dear friend. And it was it was beautiful. So there we go. That was it. However, now we get back to the dumb stuff. 
So the first one is a sort of, you know, you get a chance to see some racing and it had sort of like early sort of CGI type stuff in there as well, where when you see people like hit the accelerator or the nitrous, the camera would impossibly go through the floor of the car and into the engine. You'd see the ignition and igniting and it was just something you'd never seen a car movie before. Generally, if it's something like Bullet, a classic car chase type movie from the 1960s with Steve McQueen in it, you know, you see, you know, the camera might show him flooring the pedal and you'll hit and then you'll see outside the car the roar of the engine accelerating but no camera can get into the middle of an engine while it's actually working so yeah it was very early 2000s very radical you know very extreme with a like an, maybe a couple of x's in there people sort of drinking mountain dew although of course the brew of choice is corona beer and indeed, in the first film, they use the line, you can have any beer as you want, so long as it's a Corona, which is a reference to a bit of alleged car history, which we'll come on to later on. So the thing about the first film is it's it's just a strip down. These people are street racers and the FBI are interested because maybe there's some other sort of like illegal shenanigans going on. But this is all street level. This is a bit like if we're going to put it into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is Daredevil or Ant-Man. You know, it's just like local crimes rather than the whole universe is at stake with something like Avengers Infinity War. However, basically, they keep upping the ante so that with Fast and Furious, that's the fourth one in 2009, it was beginning to go in this direction, but it clearly reaches a new level and a new sort of zenith of stupidity with Fast Five, where we get the first rock, and they're now doing street races in Brazil, and they're sort of like almost international spies, whereas all they've ever done previously is just drive cars really fast down a road. Why are you in Brazil? How do you know how to carry out a heist? You know, this is this is ridiculous. This makes no sense whatsoever, but it's a lot of fun. But again, in the first movie, we have problems with basic physics and how things work. What do I mean by that? So, in the first movie, we have one of these quarter-mile races. And the race goes on for two minutes. And yet these cars are hard accelerating. Indeed, there are images of the speedometer and you can see that they get up to 150 miles an hour. In which case, you are going a lot faster than you need to be doing for two minutes to cover a quarter of a mile. That's basic speed equals distance over time type measurement that you learn at school. And how long are they going? Well, clearly further than a quarter of a mile. Also, to accelerate from naught to 150 or zero to 150 miles per hour within a quarter of a mile distance is better than any car, Formula One included, that you can actually do. I mean, maybe, maybe an F1 car could just about do it on a straight but these aren't Formula One vehicles, okay? Those are single-seater, those are only designed for speed, obviously maneuverability and all that kind of stuff, but there's no, like, luggage room or place for the cool lights or anything like that. So that's a nonsense. But that's nothing compared to Furious 6, whereas in that movie, the big crescendo is cutting a long, stupid story short, and big old cargo aircraft is trundling along an airstrip 
and basically it's trying to take off. And it's an amazing stunt sequence. You've got all these cars driving around underneath the airplane. They're clearly doing this for real. You know, the budgets are getting bigger and bigger. It's really, really impressive. And then, you know, some of the people, some of the heroes get into the actual cargo aircraft. If you like, there's chases going on underneath the wheels. And, you know, everything's sort of speeding up as it's going along. And there's fights inside the actual cargo containers and all this kind of stuff. It's great fun. It goes on for about 15, 20 minutes as this plane never once slows down as it's going along a runway. So even if it's doing 60 miles an hour, then, which is obviously too slow for an airplane to take off, but let's just say it's going at 60, that means if you've been doing it for 20 minutes, you're basically done 20 miles. Now, runways are long because airplanes need a bit of time to build up some speed, unlike these magic cars, and... You know, no air airstrip is 20 miles long. It is ridiculous and ludicrous. And as I was watching, it's like, are they ever going to turn around? And then the great thing is at the end, again, minor spoilers for just sheer insanity anyway. At the end of the movie, the plane doesn't get to take off. The hero saved the day, which is what you're expecting anyway. And they have shots of the airplane and it still hasn't reached the end of the runway. Where is this runway? How far does it go? What's the point of building a runway that long? You could have literally one town at one end of the runway and a completely different town at the other end of the runway, and that would be a normal distance between towns. So it's just... I think you can tell I'm getting a little bit worked up about that one. Also in that one, somebody is fall. It's the classic superhero thing. Somebody's falling. So Dominic Toretto, Vin Diesel, he's on the front of a car, and this car accelerates hard, and it stops dead. It hits the side of a bridge, uh, you know, the safety barrier. So physics does dictate. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. That Dominic Toretto, Vin Diesel's going to keep flying. So he flies across and then captures Michelle Rodriguez and then they both slam into the windscreen of a car on the other side of the drop. No, they're both dead, okay? The basic velocity rules of that, just because you catch someone mid-flight does not break their momentum or speed or anything like that, and having somebody coming in at that other direction at presumably 40 or 50 miles per hour, human beings can only take so much shock. They're basically both pate smeared across the front of that other car. But hey, they're not the first sort of movie to make that mistake about catching people as they fall. So you can see there's a lot going on in Fast and Furious. So what I wanted to do, actually, I keep getting distracted by this, so I keep telling you more and more ridiculous stories about Fast and Furious. There are loads of them! But anyway, the original movie had a budget of just 38 million. So that's enough for, like, a few crashed cars. This is obviously not a big-budget film and also it's worth pointing out that obviously somebody like Vin Diesel is not going to be able to command as much money as once we get into number five onwards because you know clearly these are becoming more and more bankable but on that 38 million production budget it grossed worldwide 207 million so that's a really nice healthy profit you can see why they made more of them however once we get from five onwards, they're just becoming bigger and bigger, more like James Bond movies, in which case there's got to be more digital effects, larger stunt work, more stunt people, etc. The cast and crew are going to want more money for these things as well. And so you get to the point where with Fast X, there's lots of rumours swirling round. I'm going to pick one of the lower numbers because I just think people are just adding more and more money to it. But there are rumours that this is costing about or up to $350 million to make. And, you know, for all the stunt work and things like that, and also all the royalties and etc. for the likes of Vin Diesel and co., I can see that. I can see how that might end up costing that. And, to be fair, a lot of the later movies have been grossing a billion plus, in which case you'll you'll turn a profit if you hit you know a billion or and change on top of that you know you will be making money out of that but there is a point where these things are sort of going to come to an end and the rulers are they're going to make 11 main films the other thing that's worth pointing out is it's already had a spin-off this has been all over social media for many years but it's quite obvious that Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Vin Diesel do not get on. Now, you know, things clearly started okay with Fast Five, and The Rock's also in Six, and he's also in Seven, and he's also in Eight. So he's in four of the main films, but by Nine, he's gone. And what's interesting is, so with number Eight, that came out in Seventeen, Nine came out in 2021. Now, obviously, we've got COVID in there as well, which slowed down production, etc., but between the two, uh, between 8 and 9, in 2019, there was another Fast and Furious movie, the first spin-off movie called Hobbs and Shaw. So this was Jason Statham and The Rock playing their characters from the Fast and Furious franchise, now going up against Idris Elba, who basically is a superhero in this. You know, considering in the first film, they might have got their 
their physics a bit wrong and the speed's a bit wrong. But nobody was doing anything unbelievable. And yet now we've literally got like nanotechnology and a superhero, a kind of unkillable man in it. But then again, in Fast 9, you've got... Actually, that's Fast 8, I believe, is where there is... You know, there's a submarine going on in that one. And in Fast 9, they literally go into orbit in a car. And they have the audacity to say, it's just physics. It's like, this series has never understood physics since the first one. How dare you say that? And then, you know, so with, with Fast 10, they kind of got to up the game every single time. And if you like, but what's interesting is with Hobbs and Shaw, the Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw movie, is it was a hit but it did not gross. It was noticeable in, in how much less it grossed compared to number sort of like seven and eight. Let's put aside nine because there's a bit of COVID element there as well. And it's like, you know, it grossed 700 million and maybe the budget was about 200 million. So it, again, it turned a profit, but it wasn't, it, it, weirdly, it shows you how much everybody wants to see the family, which John Cena turns up in the ninth film and turns out to be Vin Diesel's long-lost brother. Come on, if this whole thing is about family, how have you not mentioned your brother, full brother, not half-brother, for eight previous movies? It's just, it, it's... I've only seen one of these in the cinema, and that was number seven. And, you know, because everybody kind of wanted to see what was going to happen with Paul Walker. But I, I actually shouted out, I never do this in the cinema, but at the end of the movie, the, the physics was so wildly off and so unbelievable. It, it, it was like just, you know, watching CGI superheroes smack each other in the face. I just didn't care anymore. So I basically heckled a movie, which is something I'm not particularly proud of. And I've never seen another one in the cinema since. It's like, with something like John Wick... No, it's not particularly clever, but the stunt work is exceptional, and you can see everybody trying really hard. And it's not trying to be realistic, uh, but then you get something like uh, like Christopher Nolan's movies, like it might be like Inception or whatever, or The Dark Knight, where they are quite fantastical, but they're really intelligent, you've got to pay attention. You get explosions, but things actually kind of logically make sense as you sort of move along the, the, the process with them. And the sort of like skill and craft work of trying to sort of like build up a, a story you know it's it's you know you're you should be as excited about how the story unfolds as just things blowing up but the far series is in the same territory as something like transformers it's like we are going to just assume you're dumb and you'll just be happy by the pretty fireworks on the screen i don't actually like it it's also got a pretty mean sort of sexist streak in it you know the, the the amount of girls who are standing there in like not a lot and like you know racing the drivers is that a real thing in street racing maybe it is is that do we need to see that on screen no also the big race that they do is called race wars why has nobody worked out that that has another meaning and it's not a funny do double entendre either it's just it's just really bad taste sorry guys like I say, sometimes I do episodes where I absolutely love the thing. And I admire the skill. I respect the money that, that the Fast series has made. And it's nice to see that Vin Diesel is still being given work. Good for you, Vin. And, you know, maybe this is sort of big dumb fun. But I find it aggressively stupid. And if it's like, if physics doesn't matter at all, why do I care? These people will always make the jump or do whatever they need to do and the new plot twist of somebody being 
a new brother or somebody wasn't actually dead or the person we spent a whole movie hating and trying to kill is now one of the team because reasons turns out they got family as well well everybody's got family yeah just i i think quite frankly hollywood can do better um but as i say for a while it was the only action franchise that wasn't a superhero franchise kind of doing its thing basically until we kind of get john wick so Right, I think I have hammered it enough, but the sheer love of cars is absolutely undeniable in this movie. So let's talk about the automobile and where it all comes from. So, as always, there are these things where people go, oh, actually, there is this thing. So let's talk about uh, Nicholas jo uh, Joseph Signeau. So he, he was French, I think you'd probably tell by the name, and he invented basically a steam-powered traction engine the kind of steamroller type thing. Four big wheels. Basically, it's a locomotive with wheels rather than on rails. And that was 1769, so very much at the beginning of steam-powered transport technology. So, is that a car? Well, I don't know. Do you want to fill up your car with coal and have just it belching out fumes all the time? Probably not. So, in the very, very early 1800s, we get the invention of the internal combustion engine, which is how motorbikes, cars, etc., all work. Basically, you're pumping in a fuel, probably petroleum, and it, you're basically it's detonated in a controlled explosion, which moves a crank, which is how you get the actual motor moving you along. So that is basically how an internal combustion engine works in essence. A couple of years later, and it is only a few years later, in 1808, we get François-Isaac de Vatz, uh, who obviously doesn't sound quite so French. He's Swiss, and he invents basically a three-wheeled vehicle using a combustion engine. And so is that the first car? Maybe. But basically, in 1885, Carl Benz of Germany, he actually builds what is widely considered the first practical car that can actually be reproduced. In 1886, he gets a patent. He eventually calls the name of the company after his daughter, Mercedes, which is why it's called Mercedes-Benz. There we go, after the Benz family, but Mercedes got to get the front name after it, which I think is lovely of Carl. Well done, you. To give you an idea, Carl Benz, in the first five years of production managed to sell 25 cars and so that's the thing whereas absolutely we can start i think you know most people start with carl benz and clearly there is a mercedes still out there today making cars making good cars if mercedes would like to sponsor this feel free to do so yes i'd love one thank you very much but the point is that with 25 cars being sold over a five-year period we're not at the period of mass production the story of the proper car, and indeed, his first vehicle had three wheels. This is why I said usually four wheels. He worked out that four wheels was better, and he started producing four-wheel cars, and obviously never looked back after that. But we have to go to America for the first mass production of cars. Now, there is a story, there is much debate as to whether or not it's true, that Henry Ford was trying to work out, were cars just an overall novelty? You know, like the, the Mercedes-Benz, you know, five cars a year. You can't really run a big company on that. Was there an appetite for more automobile transport? 
So allegedly he went round Detroit to various different businesses and said, if there's one thing you could get that would make your business better, what would it be? And he kept getting the answer, faster horses. Now, this is the thing where I wasn't there at the time. This has been repeated many times in business books, and it feels just a little bit neat for it to be true. So I don't know. So this is why I'm going to call it apocryphal. Maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. But clearly, if you're going to invest in a factory to start producing something that at the time is seen as niche, and is it actually going to become something you know that's going to be desirable en masse, you are probably going to do some form of research. It might have been a bit more dry and a bit more boring than what I've just described there. But indeed, the first company to mass-produce vehicles is Ford Motor Cars, named after Henry Ford. And indeed, the first mass-produced vehicle from 1908 is the Model T Ford. Now, there is another phrase alleged with Henry, which is people kept saying, well, what, why do they only come in black? And he says, you can have any colour you want so long as it's black. A sign of this mass production. We can't have like 27 different colours. Let's keep it simple, etc. And that is what the Fast and Furious first film is referencing. You can have any beer you want so long as it's Corona. In hindsight, you know, that was going to be an unpopular choice in the year 2020. But anyway, it's the same gag twice. Except the first Model T Fords did come in multiple colours. It is highly unlikely that Henry ever said that because it just simply wasn't true. Now, over a period of time, it turned out that black was the most popular and obviously streamlining and simplicity is vital when it comes to mass production. So then, yes, your average Model T Ford by, let's say, 1915 was black because that was the way that people tended to to buy them. So what we've got is something that actually starts in the 1880s. To give you an idea, 1889 is when Charlie Chaplin was born. 1886, which is when the patent came out, that's the same year that Siegfried Sassoon, the famous British poet who tragically died in World War One, you know, that's when he was born. That's how far back the story of the automobile goes. What's interesting is by the time we get to World War One, you know, mass movement of troops and equipment was done by locomotives and also by trucks. Trucks were an actual genuine thing which helped with logistics and troop movements, etc. Also, that internal combustion engine was being used in things like aeroplanes and tanks. So we really are getting, you know, you get various people saying, oh, this was the first modern war. Or that was the first modern war. It's like, it's World War One, OK? We got we got radio, we got airplanes, we got tanks, you know, we got uh, automatic weapons at that stage. It's like, it's very convenient to say that the US Civil War was the first one because it was the first one with trains, which is true, kind of, although the... It is worth pointing out the Crimean War also had trains uh, that, but, you know, they were still standing in a line firing their rifles maybe three times a minute. So, no, it didn't really look like World War One or World War Two. So, obviously, by the time we get to World War Two, we've got cars being used by lots of different people in civilian life. But you get things like Jeeps or in the German version, the Kubelwagen, you know, these sort of small little basically military cars with chunkier wheels that could get you from A to B better, basically. A good way to sort of like move small, uh, not small amounts of troops, small amounts of luggage or officers or something like that. That obviously isn't just purely military application. It's worth remembering, with regrets, 
that the Nazi party were the ones that actually invented the autobahn, the motorway, the highway, because they wanted to use this new innovation, you know, people using having a car as a sign of success and sign of industrialization. So it sort of tied in with their overall vision, which was obviously pure evil. But then they also had that. And Volkswagen, the largest manufacturers of cars in the world as of time of recording, was also invented in Germany in the 1930s. And it's worth remembering, Volkswagen means the people wagon. The idea was it, sort of, again, ties into everybody. And its base in Wolfsburg, still in Germany, the actual factory is gigantic. You know, it's literally like four miles long kind of thing. You know, you have to get in a Volkswagen to drive from one end to the other end, this situation. And that was one of the major areas of industry for Germany after World War Two. It was so important in terms of keeping the company and country alive after this devastation. The, and indeed, tied to that, the most manufactured and reproduced car of the same design, because people might turn around and say, I think you'll find it's the Honda Civic. The Honda Civic's changed massively over the years. And the answer is, it's the Volkswagen Beetle, invented before World War II and still being used, still being manufactured into the 2000s in Brazil. The actual patent had been used in multiple different places. More than 20 million have been reproduced over the uh, over the years. And what's interesting is, whereas it was seen as, if you like, personifying Nazi ideology before World War II, it then became the hippie mobile of the 1960s. And indeed, we get Herbie, you know, the, the love bug, the Disney character about the sort of like the sentient and remote driven Volkswagen Beetle. It's in icons, etc. Cool cars are just cool. Little, I find fascinating, like little three and four year olds just get so dazzled by big trucks and things like that. What were they looking at 300 years ago that was as exciting as a truck? When my boys were really little and driving along, we'd drive past like an articulated lorry or on the motorway or something. They would be sort of hypnotized by just how big this thing was. And it was still moving along at speed and its big old wheels. How many wheels can you count, boys? That kind of stuff. They're absolutely tied into society. But of course, with global warming and, you know, your carbon footprint and things like that. Nowadays, people want to be driving hybrids or electrics. But of course, the most efficient way, if you've got to travel, should be public transport and public transport's been around longer than the automobile so why why do we drive cars and i know the answer to this this is how cars are sold to you in the advertising because let's face it the vast majority of time if you being in a vehicle will be stuck in traffic somewhere or stuck at the traffic light somewhere you don't see that in the adverts. What do you see in the adverts? You see them on the open road. Quite often in Europe, you'll see them driving around the Alps or like next to fields of corn in Tuscany, which is a quite a distraction of a commute if I live in London. Do I really need to go to Tuscany to drive this vehicle? And that's the thing. What they're selling to you isn't so much the vehicle because they're expensive and as soon as you buy it, it's now worth less because it's now second hand. The reality is what they're selling you is freedom. If you're in the mood for travel, you can just walk outside, jump into your car and go wherever you want to go. And that ties in so nicely to just the like human psyche as a whole. We like that. And that's why, even though I'm talking at a time when people are very and genuinely, we need to be concerned about greenhouse gas emissions and carbon footprint and global warming. All of these things are important and cars are absolutely not helping the case. 
I can still see people driving cars in 50 years' time. This idea of driverless cars still hasn't been perfected. It's been around for at least 10 years. Every year they've been saying it's going to be next year, it's going to be next year. Still not here yet. Because there are so many variables going on as you're driving through, let's say, a, a, a country lane is one thing, the freeway, highway, motorway, autobahn is another. That's probably the easiest thing for them to be able to do. But as soon as you're driving through a city center, idiots can be stepping out the road at any time. There's just so much information to be poured into that computer, it's going to be slamming on the brakes all the time. Or hitting pedestrians, which a human being is unlikely to do. So I do believe that we will still be driving cars, hopefully they're all electric and very environmentally friendly, in a hundred years' time. Because we like that freedom, that flexibility it gives us, keeping our family together in the car. That's it for me, and as always, another episode coming soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.